Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs, Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck, and this week, our podcast being brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. So, thank you to those guys, as always, for helping to keep our lights on. With me, as always, cut from the Sixers, might sign with the Dallas Mavericks for the uh, the pandem- post-pandemic or mid-pandemic NBA season. My buddy, my pal, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? I will be sitting out. The you are games. you will wow yes. breaking news no uh, i'm gonna call them the orlando games the way we call an olympic series like the, like the tokyo games the, or... the atlanta games the sydney games all right so these are the orlando games i think this this is the only time in history that we'll ever refer to something as the orlando games because hopefully i think we're pretty far away from the olympics ever being held in orlando Unless uh, Mark Fultz goes off in the future, then we have the Orlando games. Future Florida governor, Mark L. Fultz. Uh, okay, so the, the news of the week for the NBA, number one, I guess, is that guys have started to reconvene. They were started to be tested for COVID as of Tuesday, the 23rd, I believe the date is. Yeah, as always, as I say on this podcast, my sense of time and space has just evaporated during all this. So guys are being tested. There have been a bunch of uh, positive results that have come rolling in. I know there was a report that they were expecting significant positive results. So we'll see what the final number ends up being. But I think more noteworthy is that guys have finally started to announce or it's at least being reported that they are simply not going to go to Orlando. So I think the first domino to fall, Seamus, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards. And he said uh, essentially his reasoning was he's had knee injuries in the past. And as an upcoming unrestricted free agent who has a lot of money probably coming to him in the offseason, wanted to protect himself. And then there have been some other guys. Uh, I think most noteworthy so far has been Avery Bradley, who plays for the Lakers, who is sitting out for reasons that he attributed to his family. In the uh, in the story about Bradley, it was said that his six-year-old son, whose name is Liam Bradley, has a history of struggling to recover from respiratory issues and was not likely to be cleared to enter the Orlando bubble. And so Bradley wanted to be with his family during this time and, you know, not subject them to any further risk. So we haven't seen anyone, like there hasn't been a quote unquote star that has said they're not playing yet. These are certainly guys that are notable NBA players, but you know, Seamus, I don't think this is, 
going to start turning into a big deal until a guy like like I don't think like LeBron is sitting out, but guys closer to that level is what it's going to take for people to start considering like, hey, this is going to look a lot different than we would like it to. What player would you say? Obviously, LeBron's out of the out of the category, and you would think just case because they're not playing Stefan. KD, we're talking about like going, you know, from top to bottom, the best players in the league. So those three are probably out. Could you see Kawhi or Paul George not playing? No, I, I think neither. the guys who are the are on teams that are, I don't want to say a cinch to contend, but are more obvious contenders at the top of their respective conferences. Or it's like, yeah, it's like Giannis that, is going to play or something. Right, like I think the teams that have puncher's chances to win a title are going to go out there and say, you know, I'm going to suit up and and do what I have to do, make whatever sacrifices I have to make. I think the guy that sticks out to me, actually two guys stick out to me uh, as people that maybe I would keep an eye on are Bradley Beal, who, you know, the, the Wizards are right on the fringe of even being included in all of this. And now that Bertans has decided not to play one of the best players on that team, I think that gives him, I don't want to say it gives him an out, but it gives him cover to say like, you know, like I don't want to get hurt. And even though he is committed to Washington and said he wants to be there, I think it's different saying you want to try to compete there long term and try to fight this uphill battle in a scenario where it's almost certainly not going to end with them even making the playoffs and and then the same thing for the thing with Lillard is Lillard and the Trailblazers were they're one of the teams that actually have been sort of against this whole setup from the from the start I know Lillard was a little bit outspoken in the beginning and you know I, I think he's always a guy that he never necessarily counts himself out of any chance to compete but at the same time he probably can look at the landscape right now see where they're at in the uh the nba hierarchy this season and say you know i'd, I'd like i'll live to fight another day and and just bring it back next season so those are the type of people i would look at as potential i don't want to say risks because that makes it seem like i'm saying that they should play and that's not the case like it's up to all these guys to make their own decisions but those are the sort of those are the profile of guys that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I don't think Beal should play. I mean, any of those teams that very obviously cannot contend, what's the point of those guys playing? What's the upside? Yeah, I agree. And like a, a different example, do you think Zion Williamson should play when they come back? Yes, I think it's in his best interest as a brand and as a you know, a marketable basketball player to do so. I mean, See, he, can, I, he, can, I, he can not play if he wants to, but just it's his first playoff series. No one, it's, I think this, the first round will have much more excitement than it has in previous years where those, you know, those buffer games because of this huge delay uh, and resuming the season. So there's, there's a lot more eyeballs being intently saying, oh my God, we have sports back. Uh, and I think the, powers that be would enjoy seeing a LeBron James Zion Williamson first round matchup so that's something I would keep an eye on I think would be best in the interest of the NBA and probably Zion as you know a growing marketable basketball player not that he should play he doesn't want to play then I don't care but right but so 
counterpoint to that is that they are currently they're three and a half games behind the Grizzlies with eight of these games that they're going to play before the playoffs. The likelihood that they're going to be able to close that gap is not great. I know that the Pelicans were surging and it's hard to handicap all that. Like that's another caveat that's got to be made. It's hard to handicap who's going to play well, who's going to show up looking in shape, let alone sharp as a basketball unit. But three and a half games is three and a half games. And so, you know, even if they're able to make the playoffs, is the risk of Zion getting hurt in one of those eight games, or even if they make the playoffs in one of the, let's say, 12 to 15 games, is that worth getting him out there and whatever exposure he gets? I don't know that it is. The, the, the counterpoint there is that these guys are playing tons of basketball in a normal scenario anyway that people don't see that those games – are fine for him to just get get his legs under him because it's going to be the last basketball he'll play for God knows how long in this setup. So, you know, I, I think each individual guy is going to have to consult with their teams, their families, their friends, and, and figure that out for themselves. But I do think it's weird that we have to ask these questions about guys that are competing for playoff spots, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, I could see maybe if you're a Pelicans fan, and I guess the example would be as a Sixers fan, if the, you know, two or three years ago, we were in that position that the Pelicans currently, and would you want Joel Embiid playing in those games? And the answer for me would be no, but obviously the difference in injuries and their history uh, is is quite different between Zion and and Joe, even though Zion has clearly missed some time. Uh, But I think getting playoff experience is something I would you know, as a fan talking, would want to see, I would want to see Zion in the playoffs just to have that first opportunity to do so as a fan. I'd still think I'd want to see him out there. So let's bring this to a Sixers specific perspective. Uh, From an outsider's view, if you were trying to handicap, you know, maybe there's a Sixers player or Sixers players, plural, that decided, hey, I'm not going to go. I'm sitting out of this, the Orlando games, as you called it, Seamus. Is there a favorite in your mind of a guy that you would think would be most likely to opt out of this scenario? So they have a couple free agents uh, coming up, and I think those guys are the ones that would be most likely that are Furkan Korkmaz, Kylo Quinn, Glenn Robinson III, uh, Raul ne- Halil Neto, and Alec Burks. Uh, I could see Furkan maybe, like not wanting to get hurt or... I think know. Furkan actually might be a team option. I think they have him for oh, do they? another year. Yeah, because I mean, that was part of... Yeah, they do. It was like when they gave it at the time. Yeah, he's, he's like, unrestricted well, why would they need one? <laughs> yeah, so it's not him. Um, I'm looking at spot track and it's... It listed him as a free agent, but probably didn't update that because I'm looking at the chart now and it says UDFA 2021. Uh, Kylo Quinn, someone is a little bit older. He might have a family. I don't really know in his personal life, but he does really have kids. So yeah, I, th- that's, I think that's the guy. Yeah, I, I think that would again, and this is not. I'm not reporting. I'm not anything speaking for him. I have yeah, I have asked around about this and, and about. Uh, potential signings the Sixers might make to bring the roster to 17 because the NBA did bump roster limits up to allow for expanded rosters down there. 
Uh, I have heard nothing concrete. I, I think your logic is sound, though, Seamus. I think you know, the guys I would look at are both of the former Warriors guys because they're both unrestricted free agents and they don't have any sort of real allegiance to the Sixers. Like they, they came and they played a few games and they were starting to be integrated into the rotation. But big picture for them, they're looking at, okay, who's going to pay me next summer? And if they have any sort of assurances or belief through their agent and or what have you, that they're going to get paid regardless of whether they – play or not this year then I could see both of those guys saying I'm not going to suit up by the same token with the way the salary cap is probably going to be impacted they might not want to lose whatever prorated pay they're going to get from being there so that's the flip side of that I I do think O'Quinn is a decent shout too because as you mentioned Seamus not only is he a uh, a free agent he's also a father and and so you know like i don't know what his home situation is like with his kids what the the family situation is like for his uh like the health of his family yeah. so you know you never know like those are things that i don't have answers to nor would i really go exploring for them unless kyle decided to come to me himself and talk about them so yeah I, i've heard nothing to suggest that uh, sitting out is on the table, but those are the places I would look. And you know, it would be the real wild card is if Horford decided he wasn't playing. Oh no, that'd be such a fucking happened. shame. <laughs> it, I think it'd be What's, one of the rare cases where a big name player for a team could say they weren't going, and a, a big chunk of the fan base would be—I don't want to say excited, but wouldn't be too disappointed about. I'll, their I'll absence. say excited. You might not be able to say excited, but I would be excited. What situation? Give me a hypothetical that turns into Horford not playing. Does he have kids? He does have. I think he he's married. He's married. Children, I yes. knew that, right? Yeah, oh, he's no. he's a very he's a proud father. I know good. that's one of the things that he. Uh, well, that's good. He devotes a lot of his time away from. Hey, he's getting up. He's too. getting up there in age. He might want to see more time with his kids. I can't blame the guy. <laughs> Um, but look, if we joke about this and as much as people hate the fit with Joel and all the, the repercussions of that signing for the team, I can guarantee you this, it would be much better to have Horford in Orlando, even if he's just playing like 12 minutes a game strictly as Joel's backup, than it would be to have to play either O'Quinn in those minutes or Norval Pell when they're playing against the best teams in the league in the playoffs. So Sure, but it's it's funner to imagine this situation. <laughs> I don't think it's a likely one, but uh, you know, maybe we'll see it come to pass. It's it's too early to say. On that note, we're gonna take a uh, we'll take a quick ad break and then we'll be right back to talk some more about the Orlando games. So I'm here to talk to you about our friends at Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, at least we hope, as long as uh, the pandemic doesn't spiral further out of control. And BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. Soon to come, hopefully, 
Major League Baseball and NBA. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So that that ad read mentioned a few different sports leagues, some that are you know, in business right now, some that are still waiting to get set up. And I, I think relevant from a Philadelphia perspective today were comments from former Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins actually gave these comments from a home in Philadelphia. He recently started a gig with CNN where he's a paid contributor, appears on there to give voice to athletes, I think, every so often. And he was asked about the return of the NFL, which obviously is further down the horizon. And so I'll read you the quote, Seamus, and then we can talk it out. So here's the quote. The NBA is a lot different than the NFL because they can quarantine all of their players or whoever is going to participate, where we have over 2,000 players and even more coaches and staff. We can't do that. So we'll kind of end up being on this trust system, honor system, where we just have to hope guys are social distancing and things like that. That puts all of us at risk, not only us as players and who's in the building, but when you go home to your families. I have parents I don't want to get sick. And I think until we get to the point where we have protocols in place, until we get to a place as a country where we feel safe doing it, we have to understand football is a non-essential business and we don't need to do it. The risk has to be eliminated before we, before I would feel comfortable with going back, end quote. So to my recollection, and you can correct me if you have heard otherwise, Seamus, this is the first time I've heard a football player really give voice to to this idea. I think most of what I have seen or heard has been, you know, I'm, we're like itching to get back out there. It's not dissimilar from most people in all walks of life that just kind of want to get back to normal. And Jenkins is the first guy that I have heard say, like, you know, if if we don't get our shit together – not just as a league, but as a country, I don't feel comfortable going back. So I guess from where we sit today, does this make you fear that uh, football is in jeopardy more so than maybe you did before you heard what Jenkins had to say? Yeah, I think we because football is so far in the future. Well, I mean, as the days goes on, not quite, but uh, technically we should have already been in baseball season the nf the nba and nhl season should have already been over and since football is always in our head is down the line i think we've assumed that everything was gonna be fine by then and as we've seen over the last week or two things are only not only not fine they're getting worse uh in terms of the covid19 pandemic so i think we're taking for granted the idea that football is going to go on as planned or as we imagine football doing you know every every fall uh but you know, I, I don't think players are really ready for that reality, just in my general concept of, you know, this hypothetical situation of the, of the league continuing on. Uh, but Malcolm Jenkins isn't your typical football player. Uh, and I think that right. speaks volumes to who he is as a person, uh, the way he has kind of his finger on the pulse of a large portion of the player base in the league. And maybe not a lot of players are ready to speak up about that whether because of uh, 
you know, fear for, I don't want to say retaliation, but, uh, you know, how they'd be viewed within their locker room, within their, by their coaching staff, by their front office, by the fans, by the media. But Malcolm Jenkins obviously has so much respect in all of those regards and hasn't been scared to reach out and talk about a plethora of issues, uh, whether it be social or, you know, that's, that's most prominently, uh, or other things related to football. Uh, so I applaud him for speaking out. And I think, you know, and again, personally, I've just assumed, oh, football is going to happen. It's football. The NFL is this yeah. ever omnipresent figure in the world. You know, they're going to figure it out by the time football comes back. But like I just said, things are getting worse. It seems the, the, you know, the chart or the curve isn't going the way that it should be the way it is going in countries overseas. So I, I commend Malcolm for speaking up. And I think as we get closer to players kind of gathering together for, you know, whatever type of abbreviated OTAs are going to be having, uh, I think we're going to start to see more and more players do so probably uh, feeling more comfortable doing so because of what Malcolm Jenkins has said. Uh, and I, I do point out that, you know, there's a gigantic difference between getting an NBA game going on and an NFL game going on in terms of the amount of people that are going to be there. Yeah, and Malcolm made a good point. He brought this up in his quote where, you know, the roster sizes alone are more than triple what the expanded rosters are going to be for the NBA. So just the players alone are a huge entity setting aside, you know, the the large coaching staff, all the the coordinators and the position group coaches and so on and so forth. Then you get into management and, and game ops and what what have you. Like football is a gigantic entity. And unlike basketball where, you know, it's 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 still not great that they're in the, going to be in this campus environment, but it's at least kind of feasible. They can cut down to a smaller number. They can't do a bubble type environment for these NFL teams. And it's so a city. they have to right, they they have to keep somewhat of the normalcy alive and and that opens up all kinds of of issues. Like I'm not concerned for pro football teams or, or pro sports teams generally on the travel front because these guys are all taking private chartered flights and they can control all that to a certain degree. But when you get into like the the hotel accommodations and all that, like those are just you're adding all of these layers where it only takes one small screw up to send things really off kilter for a whole team. And then once a team is compromised, that sets off a domino effect for the whole league. Like you can't have 32 NFL teams in one place. And without being able to do that, it opens you up to risk just like it's going to for baseball. Like baseball is trying to minimize travel to a certain degree. They're doing the, the, abbreviated 60 game season where you know the Phillies for example will play a ton of their games against the NL East and then interleague games against the AL East well think about this Amos in that setup the Phillies won't play the team that is within their state the Pittsburgh Pirates but a team in Toronto in another country Miami. might play for example the Miami Marlins like so though it's just there's not a lot of common sense in some of these setups 
I think the NBA has done as well of a job as you could. And even they have their problems. Like the one that's been discussed to death and is worth bringing up again here is that there will be Disney employees that can go in and out of their campus environment. And the only way that they're going to be told they can't work on a given day, and this is according to a memo that I read that was sent out by the league, is that they have to actually show symptoms when they show up to work. So they're going to be evaluated given temperature checks and what have you, but they're still going to be, if they're asymptomatic, there's the potential for them to be working within this campus environment. And and I got to tell you, Seamus, as much as I would like to believe that all these players, coaches, et cetera, are going to show up and wear masks at all times on this environment, as someone who's been not just around the city, but uh, moved around a little bit for different family and personal reasons recently, I've seen different pockets of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And even within those two states where New Jersey was hit very hard, there have been a ton of people who just don't give a shit. About no one wears masks, masks anymore. I walk around it's, the city all the time. No one has a friggin' mask on and it's frustrating as hell and so i just i don't know i can't personally have any confidence that any of these leagues are going to be able to do the job they need to in order to stop any kind of even if it's contained within the nba in their campus case i i can't be confident that they're going to be able to keep this completely contained and so then when you expand it to football or even baseball I just have no idea how they're going to try to pin this down long enough and well enough that they're not putting a ton of people at risk. Everyone's going to, I don't, I don't see any of these leagues. Am I talking about this? I mean, the NHL, NBA and MLB, these ones that are coming back within the next, you know, 30, 40 days. I don't see how these leagues go on the way we're imagining. It just seems like disaster is on the brink. Yeah. And I think, uh, you can weigh in here, Seamus. Like oh, uh, my assumption, my assumption when we were in, you know, let's say mid-April, it is by the time we reached late summer, early fall, that the way we would have responded to this would have allowed us to return, not to normalcy, but at least to like some semblance of, of normalcy, like closer to what we know as like everyday life. Like I I thought based on how seriously many of us and and by us, I mean both citizens within this country and also like the, the different levels uh, of government, city, state, all that. I I thought that we would have continued to take it seriously enough so that we could have these things like sports, like normal business operations, et cetera. Instead, it's turned into a lot of what's wrong around the country and around the world where it became a partisan issue to do something like wear a mask, which at a base level is just about looking out for other people that are not yourself and also looking out for yourself, by the way, like that's it's how does it become a political issue? Dude, I it's insane. It gets turned into a partisan political issue, which that to me is the summary of this whole thing and because of that because people have turned something that should be just like a basic human human instinct to try to protect others including people that you care about 
now we're in a case where Florida has the highest numbers that they've had. I, I think the of the seven states that have the biggest increase in hospitalizations over the last week or so, there are eight NFL teams within those states. And so this is not like this is impacting everybody. Like, I know this is a sports podcast, but the decisions we make now the decisions we've made in the past, the decisions we make in the future are going to continue to impact not just like our day-to-day lives, but things that we love that allow us to escape from those things. And so the thing I just want to stress to everybody is that, you know, I know a lot of this stuff is not fun. Like I don't want to have to social distance and like have to think about that at all times. I, I would prefer as I'm in the process of moving to a new apartment, not to be wearing a mask at all times as I'm dragging stuff up steps and in crowded cities. Like I don't want to have to do all this, but I am more than willing to do it because I understand there are repercussions to my actions. And, you know, I hope that in all cases, people see that and respond accordingly. I hope for my job's sake, but also for the entertainment's sake of everybody, that these athletes take it all the same. But I think in football specifically, the the demographics of players are so diverse within the league compared to other leagues where, you know, you have country bumpkins, you have city boys, you have guys of, of all nationalities, skin colors, etc., and all different kinds of political leanings. I think trying to keep that environment intact is just going to be fucking impossible. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. Tim Bontemps, seven minutes ago, just tweeted, the NBA shared with players they will use local, state, and federal law enforcement, plus formal special operations forces to secure the bubble in Orlando. Like, that's, and again, I don't think the NBA is going to be able to get this off without a hitch. I hope they can. I Like, I don't, I'm not trying to be the... The scare tactics, sky is falling guy. I, I very much would like for sports to be able to to carry on in some capacity, even as we're all, you know, waiting for things to get back to actually normal. But I, I don't know, man. I just see the actions of people around the country and people locally, too. I don't want to project this as if this is just a, you know, not my people sort of thing. Not from here. Yeah, right. Like... It's everywhere, and I think in America, like there's just not one unified response to this, which is the difference separating us from some of the countries that have been able to contain this better. And until we can all get on the same page, which you know I'm not gonna hold my breath on that one, I just don't anticipate there being a return to sports that is going to satisfy all of us. And I hope I'm wrong on that, but I I just think that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Uh, In terms of both the real world, the important stuff, the the essential stuff, and the non-essential stuff, as Malcolm Jenkins would say, with the sports world. Yeah, like, and that's that's the other layer to this is, you know, it, some of this is, and we've gotten into this in past episodes, it, it's almost, it's tone deaf in a way to even talk and care so much about sports when 
not even like the, the like set aside the importance of the protests and everything that's going on with that right now at a base level there are just millions of people who are out of work right now and are just they're going to be unemployed for an indefinite amount of time because of all this and then it's like the shiny the shiny thing to hold up like ooh, sports are back like that's not helping people pay their bills that's not helping people get jobs back that may not come back for the foreseeable future and that's one thing i don't know that we've brought up Seamus, that i i should mention here one reason that I understand the push to bring sports back is there are a lot of people that depend on sports for a job. And I don't mean athletes and these executives that are pulling in millions of dollars. I mean, people doing the day-to-day stuff that are, you know, blue collar, low salary, or even hourly wage type employees. And, And those people, I'm sympathetic for their desire to push through this sort of deal in spite of the risks, like their livelihoods are at risk. And by extension, like how they feed their families, how they pay their rent, how they do everything that is essential to live. I get it. I, I understand that people are, are desperate right now. And so I don't know what the answer to all this is. And I'm glad I'm not the one who has to figure it out. I'm just very nervous about where this might go once things start getting put into overdrive. Yeah, the people I feel most for, as you said, are those workers. It's like, what do you do? You, yeah, like, it's a I'm terrible sure many position. Many of them are conflicted. Yeah, they want to go provide for their family and have money and not be unemployed, or do you want to risk exposure to a virus that we really know little about at this point? Right, like take take Avery Bradley who has made many millions of dollars as an NBA player, like has very legitimate concerns about not just wanting to be with his family, but protecting them in this case, and then apply that to the people that don't have the financial safety net and security blanket that he does. Like I cannot imagine what those people are going through right now. I feel fortunate in the industry I'm in for what it's worth that I'd still been able to, to have a job during all this in spite of sports not being on and the team I cover being effectively out of business for months. Like I, I consider myself fortunate and, you know, I don't know how I would react if I was one of these people. So, you know, I, I, I as I say all this where I'm, I'm fearful of what might happen and I'm skeptical of, of everything, I do keep those sorts of people in mind because they, they need this as much as anyone and i don't mean that just immediately either like the the revenue that's being lost is hurting those people now but when you consider the cost cutting that's going to happen moving forward the return to play now is also going to matter for a lot of those people over the long term as well absolutely so that's a whole mouthful to say that you know i i certainly understand Malcolm Jenkins and and share a lot of his concerns about whether they'll be able to get this going while also understanding the plight of people who rely on sports as a living. It's a, uh, I mean, there's there's no good answer too. not to just toot your own horn or my own horn, but that's a reality too. Besides just the, you know, I'm an hourly worker in my day job, so I don't make a ton of money. So I do rely on this. 
as a sense of in, yeah. as a source of income. Right. You have a, a wonderful newsletter that you do, Seamus, that people pay for. And, you know, like when the domino effect of that is of people. Got a bunch costs, of people like unsubscribing. Never... Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you've seen it firsthand. I, I get it. It's it's a tough time for everybody. So I, I hope to Malcolm's point, I would hope that we can unify at some point. But I, I'm once again, I'm not holding out hope on that one um i don't know is there anything else i don't think there's anything else really going on right now other than this we're all sort of waiting around for sports to come back and and see if any sixers players opt out or test positive or come up with a mysterious injury that they picked up in quarantine workouts that wouldn't put anything past them i don't know if there's a loser of the week candidate this week maybe rudy gobert is back on blast again uh daddy of a pro oh that's right seamus reignited a well he tried to call it a years old beef with uh how about you explain it seamus because i was late to the party seeing all this so yesterday many moons ago i tweeted imagine drive so this was when the red ricky sanchez bus tour was driving to dc to watch the sixers play the wizards this is january 2017 and I tweeted, imagine driving all the way to D.C. just to see Julio Okafor start over Nerland's Noel. And then Daddy of a Pro, otherwise known as Chuck Okafor, uh, Julio Okafor's father, tweeted at me, imagine me slapping the shit out of you. Quickly deleted, but the thing <laughs> went viral. It was on like Sports Illustrated, all that type of shit. That was like one of my early, you know, viral things. And then it got posted a couple of times by those like dumbass like NBA Central accounts. Uh, on Father's Day, and then last oh, night. God. So this is last night would be Wednesday this week. Uh, for, like he quote tweeted my room. I I tweeted NBA Central or Hoops World, whatever the fuck that thing's called, and said it was the gif of George from Seinfeld saying, "Was that wrong? Was I not supposed to do that?" And he quote tweeted <laughs> that reply, and it was a pic. It was like Rick Rick James, uh, or Wayne Brady slapping someone, or Rick James from the ship. It was one of those things from Chappelle Show. Right. And then I replied, I thought your account got hacked. And he sent back just like the most dad reply ever. He like definitely just searched gifts on Twitter and just like for hacked. And it was one of those people with an anonymous mask. And I was I was hoping he was going to chump say something like a real reply because I just didn't answer at that point. That was like a weak chicken shit reply, I thought, on his part. But my the thing I had in my back pocket, I was going to be like, you responded slower to that Father's Day tweet than your son does on defense. <laughs> but he never got so to that. So is he your... Uh, he, is, thought is, he, was gonna, he thought he was going to go viral or something. Like, no one interacted with the tweet or anything. He thought he well, had I, me. I hate to break it to him, but uh, his son is less relevant now than he was then. I was right. Because he was attached to the Sixers rebuild. Yeah, and so nobody really cares about his Father's Day related shenanigans. Yeah, now. averaged eight and four on a thirteenth uh, place team last year. Congrats! So is he your nominee for loser of the week? Yeah. Am I to understand that correctly? That's correct. Okay, so I am going to nominate the namesake of the award, who I think will be the namesake again now that he's found himself in some shit. Rudy Gobert. He. You know, he's been active on social media. He's been trying to to dunk on people and 
you know, win himself back into the favor uh, of, I don't want to say basketball Twitter, but certainly jazz Twitter and many people that follow him on social media. And in his instinct to, to do so, what happened was, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, Seamus. Uh, maybe I sent it in a text to you. I don't remember. He reshared a post that appeared to be and was from a, a woman named Serena Williams. Oh, my God. About, that went I, viral I, I, on, like, old people Facebook. It's killing me. Yeah. So the gist of this post was someone trying it was like a a call for unity it was like i'm sick of black versus white democrats versus republicans blah 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 and it's just like one of those boilerplate share things that get shared on facebook white green purple yeah it's like the thing your aunt will see on facebook and think is like super deep um so this woman named serena williams posts this rudy gobert i guess sees it and posts the screenshots of it on his Twitter and says, couldn't have said it better myself, and tags the tennis player, Serena Williams, not knowing that this is just some, like, some white lady who just so happens to have the name Serena Williams. And if you go to the Facebook page, it's like a face, it's a, there are a lot of pictures of her with her very white family. And so Rudy Gobert somehow managed to, you know, not check and, and look to see if it was the correct Serena Williams before he tagged her. It's like, come on, man. You gotta if you're gonna try to amplify a message, you might as well make sure you're amplifying the message of the right person first. So, uh, Rudy Gobert would be my nominee, and I think he gets an unfair advantage here because the award is currently named after him. But I guess if we had a place to vote on loser of the week. It would be between Chuck Okafor and our old friend Rudy Gobert. So strong field this week. It's not often that we have uh, dueling candidates. Usually, you and I just agree on one person and roll with it. I had a personal stake in this. <laughs> well, yeah. So that also that gives Chuck Okafor a bit of a uh, edge, a leg up. So you know, that's. I don't want to say they're co-losers of the week. I, I don't think that's. That's the right thing to do. We can say they're they're both nominees, and it's up for you, the listener, to decide who you think deserves that dishonor for this week's episode. I think sure. that's all I got, Seamus. So, <laughs> so unless you have any other pearls of wisdom to share, Netflix shows you've been watching. I bought a Nintendo Switch. Did you? I haven't gotten it yet, though. Uh, when is it expected to come in? Monday. Oh, nice. So you're not, it's not like a back order. No, no, I got it from, I got it in stock from Best Buy. Well, right now I'm just waiting on all sorts of pieces of furniture from different uh, places that sell furniture. So I, uh, I may have a couch by the end of July. We'll see. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Did you buy any games for your Nintendo Switch yet? I have not. Uh, I think I'm going to go to Target on Saturday and pick up some stuff. Like Super Smash. Yeah, unfortunately, you missed Nintendo's big online digital sale that just happened. Although Sad. Nintendo's idea of a digital sale is to take $20 off of games, which, you know, that's a nice discount, but that's the only discount you're ever going to get on 
like first party Nintendo games, which is is very annoying, but you can't play them anywhere else. So I guess they uh, they choose to keep things high. The price is high at all times. Uh, I have game recommendations I can give you at a later date, but yeah, sure. Super Smash Brothers is a uh, it's a good start to any game collection. Absolutely. Uh, all right, buddy. Well, I will uh, we'll catch up next week. Hopefully, there are no. No bad developments over the next week with outbreaks and positive tests and guys dropping out, but we'll have to wait and see. So until then, everybody stay safe. Wear a a damn mask, as I said already, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.